and Talk. Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. My name is Alex LeHue, and I get to be a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways we can do this is by reading God's Word, the Bible, and talking about it. So today on the show, we have with us Brian Golden. Brian, thanks for being on the show today, and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, as Pastor Alex said, I, I'm Brian Golden. Uh, I am one of the new, uh, newly appointed elders here at Messiah Lutheran. Um, y'all probably know my mother-in-law uh, a little bit more than myself. It's Kelly Mitchell there at the front office. Uh, anyways, uh, my wife and I, we, you know, my wife's been here for several years, um, much before I have, but I've, I've been an active member there at Messiah for uh, going on five years now and, and just loved every minute of it and loved these opportunities um, like this podcast. There you go. Loving every minute of it. Um, <laughs> very good. Well, it's, it's good to have you on the show. And today uh, for our podcast, episode 25, we're going to be covering the readings from July 18th to July 24th, and that is 1 Samuel chapter 8 to 17. So a lot of chapters, we're probably not going to get through everything, but we'll highlight those uh, particular parts. Before we jump into the highlights, let's talk about what's going on. Brian, can you kind of give us a brief uh, overview of these chapters? All right. So basically um, what I gathered is um, Samuel is in the process of taking over um, taking over during a difficult time uh, uh, there in Israel. Uh, it's the conclusion of the judges, and um, essentially, basically, what I've gathered from it is um, I, I, Samuel's in charge of putting this all together. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and, uh, so Samuel is judge and then, uh, his sons don't work out. Um, and so then Israel asks for a king and, uh, Saul becomes first king. And there's all these different, uh, stories about how he became the king and that kind of thing. Uh, and then, uh, Saul doesn't work out very well. And so then that's how David uh, becomes king. I think we end in chapter 17 is the story of David and Goliath. Is that right? Mm, yes. Cool. So basically we go from Samuel as prophet and judge to Saul as king. Saul doesn't work out. And then we have David as king. So uh, that is basically what happens in these chapters from chapter 8 to chapter 17. So what in particular stood out to you uh, as you were kind of going through this and reading these stories? Um, you know, I think first off, um, I, I'm a history teacher. and I did uh, not know that. Yes, sir. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've taught eighth grade U.S. history for okay. many years and, okay. and, and had the opportunity to kind of bounce around other grade levels. But so one of the first things I thought, thought about was um, I kind of could tie this to American history in a way, um, you know, they're trying to make this transition of finding mm -hmm. leadership in a manner that they've never done it before. And it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like George Washington, you know, taking over a new nation, a new yeah. constitution that's never happened before. Uh, and so, and I kind of paired it 
to that, um, granted, you know, Israel's first leader truly yeah. wasn't uh, – <laughs> it didn't quite work out as well as, as yeah. it did for our nation. Um, but that was one connection that that I made, and I, I don't know why. Like that was like the first thing that came to mind. It's like, oh, this is just like George Washington trying to take over something never done before, and it, you know, and it'd be interesting to see how it goes for that country, for that new nation. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was interesting because right off of uh, in chapter eight, you know, it talks about how Israel demands a king, and and the mm-hmm. interesting thing that I found was that. Um, well, Samuel, he was raised up under Eli, who was a priest at that time of the judges, as the judges were kind of ending their that time period. Um, and it was Samuel's mom who said, you know, God, if you give me a baby, I will devote him to you. And that's who Samuel is. He's that he's that baby that gets devoted to God's uh, temple service. And the interesting thing is that Samuel is like the good kid that gets raised up as the the proper and righteous priest of God in place of Eli's sons who aren't who are disobedient to God but then Samuel has sons that aren't diso- that aren't obedient to God and they disobey God and so it's it's weird that um Samuel who was like this really uh good uh guy especially growing up and he was like the son that Eli was supposed to have the obedient son. Uh, he has sons who are disobedient. And so that's Israel kind of sees that as an opportunity. Hey, we're going to, we want this King. We want this King. And, uh, one of the reasons why they wanted a King was because, you know, they wanted to be like the other nations. Um, and God said, you know, give the people what they want. It's not you that they're rejecting, but it's me that they're rejecting as their King. Um, and so it's it's interesting to see how we go from the different styles of leadership from from Moses as prophet to the judges um, with, you know, prophets kind of being more as the advisors or I guess speakers of God's word that the judges are supposed to listen to and the people as well. And now there's the kings, the monarchy and the, the prophets are more like the spiritual advisors to those kings because those kings are supposed to live in an upright way uh, to model for the people. So it's kind of interesting, um, and it's, it's weird how, I don't know, I guess I find that um, interesting how God gives into what the people want, even though he knows that it's not um, the best thing for them. Right, and knowing that, you know, that they were going to mess it up the very first opportunity that they got. <laughs> yes. So uh, anything else that um, you want to touch on in these sections with either uh, Saul as king, some of the events with Saul, or like uh, even as David comes in there? Um, you know, I mean, I, I think, I, I, I guess with Saul, um, taking away kind of there midway through chapter uh, chapter 10 as, as Saul's being officially made um, king you know it's an interesting story because here we have another Saul and you know through a uh, a dramatic change in his life whatever mm-hmm. you know obviously this isn't the same Saul that we see later on in the Bible but you know he does take on this position that that changes him mm-hmm. and I you know and God changes him. 
because uh, I mean, you know, in, on uh, verse nine in chapter ten, it says, you know, Saul turned to leave Samuel. God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled right. that day. Um, and so, you know, even like he said, God gave the people a choice, but He still was going to have His influence and have, you know, His. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Basically, he was he was still going to be a huge part of that, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and I I think that's you know, that's in every story we read in the Bible, uh, and we just see it again in this situation. Right. And the interesting thing that they point out is that Saul was very handsome. He was very good looking. Yes. Um, <laughs> he was not equal to the Israelites. So he was a foot taller <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I, I, so, I kind of chuckled at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically they're saying all the Israelites were ugly and Saul yes. was the only one that was good looking. So Absolutely. But that is kind of um, uh, an important that is pointed out here in First uh, Samuel because Saul, while he looks like what you might think of as a king, he, he he's taller, he's more handsome, he has military success, um, he's strong, um, and he even though he looks like the kind of person that you would think to be king, he ends up being the very opposite of what they really need as a king and what really mm -hmm. God wants for uh, Israel's king. And then you see that reversal with how David doesn't look like you would typically think of uh, a king looking like, and yet he's the one, the man after his own, after God's own heart that Samuel talks about, um, that God is going to anoint in Saul's place. So right. that was an interesting, you know, we kind of see those reversals in the Bible as well. Um, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, even like Samuel himself, basically, like he said, Saul looks the part, doesn't really play the part very well. Right. Samuel even like writes um, basically limitations to his kingship. It <laughs> says, you know, hey, follow these rules um, to, to try to make this as as, as well as possible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was interesting too. Well, like, hey, you're gonna yeah. be king, but you got to follow these rules. Exactly. Well, and and because, you know, like I said, the king's supposed to model for the people. He's mm -hmm. supposed to be a godly man. He's supposed to keep the law of the Lord uh, on his heart, read it, uh, meditate on it, be that kind of spiritual leader. Um, and uh, because if if they are gonna have kings like the other nations, then they still need to look differently than the other nations. Uh, and that's really part of Israel's sin is wanting to be like other people when God is wanting them to be totally different from everybody else. Because living in community with God means that you look different than the rest of uh, a world that is broken and fallen. So, uh, but they, they kind of, they, like God says, even before they enter the promised land, he's, he's given them all these warnings, like, don't do these things, don't do these things, because if you do, then you're going to get intermingled with um, all of these things that aren't, uh, that don't reflect who I am and who I want you mm -hmm. to be. And so I really think that that's also kind of the spirit of, of Samuel giving those instructions to Saul as well. He's saying, yeah, let's set these boundaries because boundaries are good. 
Um, <laughs> you need these boundaries because if you don't follow these boundaries, then you're going to start, you're going to stop looking like and acting like the king that God is really calling you to be. So, right. Yeah. Anything that gives you, uh, that was a little concerning to you or, or maybe something you were confused by, um, in this section of scripture? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it was a, a call for concern or confusion, mm-hmm. but I do. Uh, but I was reading about the about Saul, um, and and you'll have to excuse me on I may completely butcher this. Jabesh, the city of Jabesh, yeah. and that's kind of you know it's kind of getting right there into chapter eleven. Um, at one, uh, you like really see his his anger, and I guess what it was kind of confusing was one part it talked about how. Um, you know, he had heard the words from the people of Jabesh and he got, you know, incredibly angry and he takes his ox and then he cuts him into pieces and then sends it out to the people like a warning, like, Hey, yeah, you know, you, you slander or you don't do as we say, then this is what's going to happen to your oxen. Um, and I'm, and I'm trying to look at it. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people and they turned out as one man. Um, and I, I guess I was kind of confused on that because in nowhere in here in that, that whole chapter 11 does it even mention you know that god working through saul or whatever and then all of a sudden you know he does this like heinous thing um to kind of prove his um you know his power or whatnot and he does something out of anger and it says the lord the fear of the lord fell on the people that was kind of confusing to me confusing in the sense that like was it god behind that thing or was that just saul kind of acting on his own Exactly. Yeah. Because I took it as Saul acting on his own. Okay, so verse 6 says, And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. And so Mm. it seems, as uncomfortable as it might be, that the Spirit of the Lord is is infusing Saul with this this, uh, righteous anger. And Mm. um, even, yes, righteous anger. Now, Saul's a sinful person so you know even the good things that we do are tainted by sin and so um you know you can kind of hold that in the back of your mind as you're reading this as well but uh there are there's a lot of like violent and 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 things that seem really heinous that are done even in like the book of judges or in joshua as they're Mm -hmm. overcoming these people and and yet actually saul re uh is removed from his role as king or it's prophesied that he's going to no longer be king and lose his role as a leader because he doesn't completely destroy the Amalekites as God commanded him to. So that's kind of one of those unexplained things or those things where we can't really explain it too much other than the fact that God is using Saul to enact his just justice upon the wickedness that's in the land, I guess. So mm, yes. it is interesting. I think verse six is kind of our key in that the spirit of God rushed upon Saul because the spirit of God is on Saul, especially in the early years of his life uh, or as his reign as, as king. But then it's clear that later on he, he doesn't have the spirit of God. The spirit uh, leaves him completely. And that's when he starts trying to kill David and, and we, we hear those stories as well. And, and even some speculate that Saul was uh, possibly even <clears throat> demon-possessed 
because mm. he was so tormented. His spirit was so tormented. And so to, to relieve him, he had David come and play his harp for mm. Saul. And that, that music uh, helped calm his, his, his tormented soul. Now here, I don't think he's quite there yet. I think it's just simply the spirit of God uh, rushing on him and, and, and acting his justice, yes, in a very violent and brutal way. And yet God is God and he can, his justice is good. He can enact it and use his people to fulfill that in the ways that are, that are necessary. So that's kind of my take on it as I'm reading it, especially with verse six. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And mine, you know, the Bible, (laughs) the Bible I'm reading, um, you know, written out a little bit different than that. And, and, And when you read your version, you know, the way it was written in your Bible, it definitely clarified that yeah. more for me. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's helpful to kind of look at different versions of the Bible, too, mm-hmm. and to think about, like, oh, okay, you know, this one says this, this one says that, and really, uh, just for our listeners as well, if you're, th- the way we get different versions of the Bible is simply by different translations of the original text. So, Book of Samuel written in Hebrew, a bunch of people got together and translated it, and some people said, let's keep it as close to the original translation as possible. So that's where you get uh, different versions of the Bible, like the ESV, which is they're trying to stay a little bit closer to the original. And then other people are saying, well, let's make it more readable and try to translate it into our English language so that people can under... and that people in the English language can understand kind of the force of the words uh, as they were maybe meant to be read. And so they kind of go for a little bit more readability and and that kind of thing. So that's really where those different versions of the Bible come from, in case anybody was wondering. Um, And it's a good thing because, you know, it's all an act of translation. And really, whenever you read Scripture, even when you read it out loud, you are interpreting. So that's Im- I think that's important for, for uh, people to, to realize is that even when, especially like when a reader in church reads Scripture, the way that they um, say things with their tone of voice is kind of like an interpretation of Scripture. So mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, anything that gives you kind of hope, uh, let's talk about the, the good things, the positive things here. Um, After we talked about Saul chopping somebody up into pieces, right. I mean, geez. Um, well, yeah. what do you get? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, and, and maybe I, you know, again, probably need a little bit of clarification. I don't know if it's a positive. It seems like a positive. Um, you know, kind of, kind of sticking to the uh, the the order of events here. You know, we move to um, Saul and his son. Uh, Jonathan and running out the Philistines and essentially, and, and obviously that was a good thing because the Philistines were another big reason why the people of Israel called for a king, uh, their constant presence and their military mm-hmm. dominance in the area was, I'm sure, very terrifying. And, uh, and here we have Saul and Jonathan uh, defeating the Philistines and going into it. None of their soldiers outside of Jonathan and Saul himself had swords or spears uh, to yeah. uh, to even fight with, and that was 
that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think it just kind of shows that, um, well, it, first of all, it, it shows a total dependence on God mm-hmm. and like relying on him. And, and really that's what the kinds of Kings that God wanted for the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, we're going to do this King thing. So I'd like the Kings that point the people to me. And, um, and so it, it's a, I think it's important to point out is that, you know, good things still came from, you know, kings, even though that wasn't God's ultimate desire because he want, wanted the people and he wants us to recognize that he is our king over everything else. You know, there's nothing else right. that rules over us besides him. He is the, the sovereign one. And yet he still worked through, yes, even Saul. Uh, a lot of times we think of Saul's life as only being his demise, only being his um, torment and just going crazy and trying to chase after David and not wanting to give up the kingship. Mm. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of good things and just things and right things that God accomplished through Saul and his son, Jonathan, his family, um, and uh, his and the time that he ruled as king. So I think that's a, I'm glad that you point that out uh, because that kind of reminded me that, you know, there wasn't just bad stuff that happened with right. Saul as king. Um, it was <laughs> kind of this, this gradual fading, yet God still accomplished really good things. And And that's really what God does all the time, despite what people do um, and to try to get around God or to try to operate without him or not rely on him, he's still going to work his, his will. All right. So a, a couple of other things that I have always found interesting, and, and I was reminded of this again in the story of David and Goliath is first of all, chapter 17 of first Samuel is very long. Um, but when you get through the majority of it, you get to the part that we all know as David going and battling Goliath and being chosen uh, to go to the front lines and, and take on this, this giant. Um, and actually around like verse, oh man, what was it? Oh yeah, it's uh, like verse 34 of chapter 17, uh, David David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a, and took a lamb of the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Um, and so like David is, is telling Saul, you know, Saul saying, you don't look like you can take on this giant. David or Saul, David is telling Saul, well, guess what? I've done this kind of thing before, actually. And so a lot of times we we think about David as being like, oh, he's just sweet, innocent shepherd boy, you know, and he, he just kind of goes to the front lines and <laughs> and ma- miraculously God, you know, delivers him from Goliath. But, you know, God worked through David and prepared David for that moment, even through the moments of David's life when he was being a shepherd. Um, and so it w- it wasn't like David just randomly happened upon that moment and that it was just so different from anything he had ever encountered before because David was a man of small stature and taking on a lion or a bear because they were going after his sheep 
would be a, a very scary thing, but yet he had done it a few times at least. Um, and so I think that's kind of, this is kind of squeezing into application a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. that God often prepares us uh, more than we realize through the events that we've already encountered. Um, and sometimes maybe we have something coming up, like a presentation at work or, or a project for school or, um, you know, some kind of thing that we're, we're wanting to communicate to a group of people or an event that we're planning. And we think, oh, I need to prepare. I need to get prepared. You know, when we think of preparation as being that week before or a month before or whatever it is for you. But, you know, I think God often for those moments in life, he's, he's been preparing us uh, mm. up to that entire moment throughout that whole span of our lifetime. And so while, yes, I might, as a pastor, I might write a try to prepare my sermon in the, the week before, or as most people know, the day before. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, but while I might prepare for something like that more immediately, God has still been preparing me throughout my life leading up to that moment. And I think that's mm. just, that's true for everyone. That's true for David. Absolutely. And even a Jesus connection here is that you think of how Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years of age. And so what was he mm. doing that whole time? Well, he, he was being prepared. He was being prepared by the heavenly father and, and some of his preparation was, and a lot of his preparation was living life as a human being and nothing else, you know, Absolutely. Why, if, if he was doing you know, things related to his ministry and his mission that I, and and they were important for us to know, then it would have been included. But it's pretty clear from what the authors of the Gospels say that Jesus really didn't do any ministry stuff until he was around 30 and started calling his disciples. And so that whole time, even carpentry and just living life as a man and interacting with people and just being a human being prepared Jesus for his, his Mm. ministry. Um, so that's something Absolutely. that, yeah, I think uh, is important for us to, to consider and that, um, God didn't just bring us to these crazy moments out of nowhere. He instead carefully prepares us for each moment. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and something I kind of took from this is you got, you got two guys here that we're focused on. We're talking about Saul. We're talking about David. And clearly the Lord was with both of them through their, through the, you know, through the process and through their, you know, through their trials and their tribulations. But I think the difference is the man that we're talking about, you know, and maybe we talk about Saul being handsome and tall and just unlike Mm. others. And he just, and maybe, maybe ego was an issue there. And maybe he, you know, he, he leaned more on himself than he did on God. Mm. And it ultimately ended rather, um, dismal for him and then you have david who is this you know like he said he's just this quiet little right. shepherd who's of small stature and maybe not so you know equipped with an ego like saul was and and he is able to keep his focus and uh and as god lays down the uh the the test before him he keeps his focus on god and comes out uh you know on the better end of things uh there and so to me it's just kind of it's a tale of two people um, mm-hmm. in their yeah. in their 
they're who are you putting more focus on? Are you putting more focus on yourself uh, or are you really focusing on God and, you know, praising him and relying on him to, to provide and take care? Yeah, definitely. And I agree. And I think we should touch on that a little bit more after we come back from our break. Welcome back to Grove and Talk after our break. Uh, we kind of talked about some application stuff uh, before the break, and I want to point us to the end of chapter 12. So basically the people are repenting uh, of their sins of disobedience. Uh, they ask Samuel to pray for them so that their sins can be forgiven. And Samuel says to them in verse 20, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. And Samuel goes on to also say, like, you know, of course I'm going to pray for you, even if I know that you're being, you've been so disobedient and you haven't been listening to me or respecting me. I'm still going to pray for you uh, because I, I care about you. And, and God cares about you as his people as well. And because of that, he wants you to follow him. So, so follow the Lord and serve him with all your heart is, is what Samuel tells to the people. And I think that kind of goes off of what you were saying earlier, Brian, which is this is kind of a tale of two guys, Saul and David. And Saul kind of relies so much more on himself. He wants mm -hmm. to do things his way. He disobeys God, and it doesn't work out for him. And David um, relies on God, and we see that especially in, the, in his uh, conquering and overcoming of Goliath. And he is exalted in that way. He is sustained and... Um, considered to be the faithful king and uh it just kind of goes to with along with this uh, end of of chapter 12 is really i guess the the crux of this section of scripture is is uh rely on god you know look to god put your faith in god because the people were wanting to put their faith into kings and people strong leaders who on the outside looked great and uh you know, in an outward way, yes, they were good at uh, fending off the enemy nations and overcoming people with their military power and strategy and strength and all of those kinds of things. Um, and so, uh, but but with that, Samuel reminds them that it's not these things. It's not a king who's going to deliver you, not this earthly king. It's not um, these great buildings or great uh or, you know, vast lands that are going to deliver you. Don't look to those empty things and don't look to the idols of the people around you as well. And I think that relates to our lives today. You know, God still calls us to rely on him, to look to him as our sovereign ruler, as the, the one ruler over everything in our lives. Um, and because if we're looking to things that can't deliver us, things that are ultimately empty, then we're going to uh, be left really disappointed. So Absolutely. 
All right, so we've been talking about this a little bit, but let's go into our last question, which is how do you see this section of Scripture having overall importance to our lives today? You know, you know for me, and, it, and I, yeah, I don't want to continue to go back to the same point, but I think it's, you know, I think it's worth noting. I mean, to me, that's just what I keep getting is, is, um, you know, Sam, uh, Saul fails to adhere to the, the commands. And he, re, you know, as it says right there in 15, you know, uh, chapter 15, verse 23, for the rebellion is like the sin and divination and arrogance, like the devil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as King. Um, you know, I, I, God gives us free choice. I do believe that God gives us choices. And, and, and I almost kind of feel like, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to sit back and see what my creation does. Like, I kind of I want to see what their brains are thinking. I think about it as a teacher sometimes where I, I can kind of like, you know, set up a situation and and it's kind of like a social experiment in a way. Like, hmm, I'm going to see how my mm-hmm. students respond um, and, and, and kind of go from there. Um, <clears throat> only difference is, is that I don't have the full power to, to, um, nor would I, I don't know if I ever would want to punish in the way that God can punish and, mm-hmm. and has punished. Uh, but anyways, nonetheless, you know, I, I do believe that we are given choices when we face certain situations in our life. And, um, and, and I, and I kind of get the sense, I feel like God sits back and he, and he's curious to see what we do and hopes that, um, what we do is more like David, where we put our faith and we pray and, and we go to him, um, we put our faith in him and, um, you know, ultimately just, just lean on him and, and follow his command. Uh, and no matter what the situation, no matter what the outcome, um, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of going through something very similar right now. Mm-hmm. And in, in my life, um, with, you know, job opportunities and yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking timing's perfect, Yeah. but I'm thinking of my life, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking you know what what god has in play i'm thinking of the here and now i'm not thinking of the big picture and god's got the whole picture in mind and and you know it's it's kind of selfish of me to think oh this happens on this on my timeline no sir no it doesn't so you know i think this can almost be applied in 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 everyday life i mean it's it's to me when it boils down to it you know trust and obey god lean on him and and not be anxious do not you know do not create your own timeline just trust in his right yeah that's awesome and uh, i definitely think that yeah um you know we can't just wake up every day and get out of bed and say well you know god's at work in the world so i guess i'll sit back and see what he does yeah Um, right (laughs) yeah he definitely um in our human perspective it, it it you know i can choose to go to work or i can choose to sleep in so uh, yeah, I like that that idea, and uh, and and even thinking about like how God, um, he 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 wants us to go uh, the way of the, the the way that is faithful. He wants us to he wants to to lead us and guide us by His Spirit uh, into uh, and into going down into walking in His ways and going down that path. Uh, I think for me the kind of just the importance that this section of scripture has, uh, besides what we've talked about, is is really reflecting uh, on ourselves. And and you kind of did this, Brian, um, just a second ago, where you kind of reflected on on yourself and you examined yourself and said, "Okay, am I relying too much on myself here? Am I relying 
only on my plans and what I think is best. And um, so what are those things that were, what are those empty things, as Samuel calls them, things that are empty, things that cannot profit us or deliver us, that we are relying on or expecting to deliver us? Is it a particular leader? Is it um, a particular way of life? Or are there particular freedoms or uh, opportunities that we're thinking will afford us um, deliverance or, or profit, I guess? And are we maybe looking to um, even things like money or just material possessions or even um, just success in jobs and relationships? Are we relying on those things um, to, to deliver us? Are we kind of looking to them and uh, trying to um, see the the things that look good on the outward in the outward sense of things and are we putting our stock into those things versus things that maybe don't look as good like you know following Christ and not always having the answer or having everything figured out um, and in that case you know things that don't on the outside look good or don't look um, don't look as 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 handsome like Saul, uh, <laughs> as handsome to the rest of the world, you know. So sometimes, you know, following Christ and adhering to what God wants uh, doesn't look glamorous. It isn't glamorous. It can actually lead us to a lot of discomfort. Um, and so I guess the question that I take away is, okay, what are those things that maybe I'm placing a little bit too much stock in, um, and 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 how can I uh, recognize that and instead look look to God and make sure that that he is central to everything so absolutely yeah and I would be even willing to add and you may hit I don't think you did but I'd be even willing to add um you know what you know like peer evaluation of you um yeah. is that another thing that we lean on we're so focused on what other people think mm. of us and accepting us and, and trying to you know and really that's not you know yeah, I, I would add that to the list of things, too. Is that something else that we're putting our, yeah. you know. Oh, I definitely put stock into that. Um, yes. So that is a, a struggle. <laughs> but our identity is in is in is in God. So absolutely. Awesome. Hey, thanks uh, so much for talking about this today. And uh, we always close with a random question. <laughs> and uh, this is interesting because you kind of mentioned job stuff, so I don't know what's going okay. on there. But this question has to do with jobs. And it is this question. It says, what job could you never imagine doing? Oh, goodness. Uh, what job could I never imagine doing? Well, you know what? Um, I guess I'll just go with my very first thought that popped up in my head and i think that it would have to be your job uh <laughs> i i don't i don't know how you guys do it and and i am in all of y'all and maybe it's because y'all I, I don't know i might be wrong for saying this but maybe y'all have figured something out that you know and i say y'all I, I guess pastors yeah. priests yeah. leaders of the church um y'all have managed to uh you, Maybe you've got the putting the stock in God thing a little bit better. I don't know, you know, how you manage your time to get these. Well, as you said, you put your sermons together the day before, so maybe that helps. Um, I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. 
<laughs> Anyways, I, I, of course, I'm Don't kidding. Don't tell everyone no. my secrets now. <laughs> in all seriousness, no. Um, it's in one way I can see it being one of the most rewarding mm-hmm. occupations that one person could have, being able to uh, impact people, um, to share and show you know, love, God's love through your actions for them. Um, at the same time, I could just see that being so exhausting and, um, and almost never stop, you know, how, how do you separate me time from, you know, how do you take care of yourself and your family when, you know, it's just those things, those yeah. things always yeah. pop in mind. So yeah. I guess one job that I probably never could do would be your job. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, um, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely don't have it figured out, but I just happen, God, we can talk about this another time too, but like God has definitely um, uh, drawn me into the pastoral ministry when I had mm-hmm. been very reluctant about it for a long time. So Interesting. Um, I was not always wanting to do it uh, because I knew that the balance, especially for families, would be uh, very difficult because sometimes Mm. that can be a difficult thing with uh, kids of pastors as well because, um, you know, you kind of, I mean, honestly, just speaking very, very bluntly here, like the two extremes that I've heard is like, you you know, you either have a a, a kid of a, a pastor or ministry leader that just like get the deeper and deeper into the church or you have them just turn completely away from the church and i i I really have heard of both kinds of situations and so that's that is something that is that is hard to figure out and balance especially in this just first year that i'm figuring things out too is that balance between like well how do i make sure this ministry doesn't take over my family life and so and it's not just you know it's just a unique job in the way that it's set up but everyone struggles with vocational conflict. Mm-hmm. So your conflict of my vocation of my occupation and my vocation as a husband and, and or, or wife or a friend or whatever. Um, and so with the pastoral ministry, you kind of have those things colliding um, a little bit more than some, some occupations. So that is, you kind of hit the nail on the head with that being All one right. of the big, one of the big concerns. So, um, good one uh i think for me oh i don't know i think um well i'm just gonna say i don't know that uh i could well maybe oh no what was it the other day that i i thought about (laughs) like oh yes my wife uh, she, she sometimes goes to get her blood drawn uh mm. you know is that's part of the process of you know uh checkups for pregnancy and all that and uh-huh. um, she kind of said that the, you know, the phlebotomist is never, is never happy. You know, like oh. the people who draw your blood <laughs> are like never in a, in that great of a mood. At least I've having, yes. you know, encountered a lot of phlebotomists who are really like that joyful. Um, and so I think that, you know, my response to her was, well, they're just sitting there all day and they do the same thing. Same thing. You know. <laughs> Uh huh. So I think that's a job that I could never really imagine myself doing. It's just <laughs> drawing people's blood and putting the data into the system. So absolutely, <laughs> and being responsible for missing oh, and yes. having to repoke and 
I don't, I don't, I can't handle, I, I don't know if I can handle that pressure and they probably, and it's probably second nature to them because they do it so much, but yeah. that's all they, I guess maybe it's the redundancy. Maybe that's what no, it is. That's maybe what, it's just for me, just, oh my goodness. But now I, I've heard, I, I think I would like being a male person. I think mm. I would like the idea of going to you know you're going to people's houses you're kind of like you're in the neighborhood you're mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of outside and especially if you live in a place where like you know the weather's pretty nice generally you know but i have heard um uh, from someone who has has gone through like the training program that they just it is a hard job to be a male person oh. actually and and that it just you're especially if you're walking doing one of the the routes oh, where you're walking yes. a lot and i've just heard that it it can be pretty difficult and actually like it's, it's something crazy like 40 percent of people who go through the training program of uh, the, the united states postal service actually quit within wow. like the first week of training hmm. <laughs> because that it is, is kind of hard statistic. so like i guess i'm thinking of kind of the glamorous picture of a male person. Yeah. But the reality of a male person <laughs> is maybe something that I couldn't imagine doing. So I, I agree. Agreed. <laughs> I did, that would be, I mean, you can be out in the fresh air. Yeah, like you think like the, like the glamorous yeah. thing. I think you yeah. nailed that. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't think about the, uh, the difficulties and what goes on beyond that. Right. For me, it'd probably be like dogs, <laughs> but the fear of having to do it. <laughs> I, I know that's very cliche, but yeah, <laughs> like sometimes go. bigger dogs, they do, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit about myself. They, they're, they, they scare me a little sometimes. You never know. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now I know how to get at you with my, absolutely. Uh, of course, I'm not a dog person though. So that'll be hard to figure out. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening uh, to the show today. If you have questions or comments, you can email those to grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. It was a, a very awesome opportunity to, uh, to grow in the word. Definitely. So listeners, we will uh, talk to you later and we'll see you next time. Peace.